Good morning, church. Good morning. It's good to see everybody uh, this morning. Um, I know it's uh, out. I know this is a little bit of a difference in our routine, um, but uh, I can assure you that one of the things we've talked about, um, you know, that I've talked about with my fellow brothers is um, regardless of the time, um, we are commanded to worship on the first day of the week. Uh, we also have to be mindful of one another. Um, there is a tangible, physical um, uh, viral virus that is out there that could impact the lives of one another. I know that God is uh, almighty. Uh, he's all-powerful. He said that he will never, ever leave us uh, wanting. Um, he will always protect us. Um, but he's also given us the ability to exercise common sense. He's also given us the ability to, uh, to know the difference between right and wrong and everything that goes along with that. So um, we're here. Um, we are fulfilling our commandment uh, as God has told us to do, to worship on the first day of the week. And uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to give him our all and uh, give him our time and attention. Um, there are congregations um, that I've heard of that are worshiping remotely. Um, okay. Um, as long as they are fulfilling all the various forms of worship, I guess they, they can do what they do. Um, and there's other, there's other congregations that have not made any changes. And again, as long as they are doing all the various acts of worship, mm -hmm. they can do what they do. Um, we are doing what we're doing. We're doing all of the acts of worship. We're coming together on the first day of the week in the name of the Father, the Son, uh, with the Holy Ghost, and we're going to worship um, in spirit and in truth. Mm -hmm. This morning I want to talk about chastity. Um, and I, when I was looking up this word in the dictionary, I spelled it wrong. Um, is chastity, um, and what it means is to be to be temperate, um, to be moderate, uh, as it pertains specifically to women. Um, it uh, means that a woman is not overtly sexual; um, she exercises self-control in, in sexual things, primarily abstinence. Um, her dress is indicative of someone who is not uh, advertising. Herself, um, you know, in the context of, of chastity, um, I wanted to talk about how we can use chastity. All of us, not just the not just the women, but also the men, as well, to to keep ourselves unspotted and unblemished. Um, there are things that we do that make ourselves much more vulnerable to sin um, than what is necessary. For example. If I am physically, uh, if I am dressed in a certain way and I go out in public, um, I am going to undoubtedly get a response from everybody else around me that may put me in a position where I may be tempted to sin. Um, you know, the, the classic example of that is, you know, if a young woman goes to a beach and she's wearing a, a two-piece uh, bikini, um, she, may be, she may attract the wrong type of attention. Um, and that wrong type of attention may lead her to do something 
that she may not otherwise do absent that attention. Um, and I want to start off by talking about uh, being chased and, and what that looks like in the scripture. And then we'll finish off by looking about how we can use spiritual chastity to keep uh, the walls of Satan away from us. And I want to start off by going back to the book of Genesis, the third chapter. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying in this, as I preface this example, I'm not saying that men are stronger um, than women as it, as it pertains to um, spiritual chastity or, or moderation or temperance or self-control. I'm not saying those things, but it is interesting to me that um, when the serpent, as it says in the first chapter of Genesis chapter 3, or excuse me, the first verse of Genesis chapter 3, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast in the field which the Lord God had made. And because of his subtlety, and it wasn't, he was subtle in the fact that he chose to approach woman instead of man. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to read between the lines or anything along those lines, but what I will say is, is that Satan, the serpent, as the most subtle beast of the field, instead of going to Adam first, he went to Eve first. And it says, He said unto the woman, Yea, have God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent in verse 2, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doeth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, why did the subtle serpent take this particular tact, or this particular argument, this particular um, form of spiritual attack to persuade Eve to go against the commandment of God? Now, he could have used a, a number of, uh, of arguments, but because the serpent was subtle, meaning he was cunning, meaning that he was conniving, meaning that he was crafty. He understood that there was a weakness in Eve that he could easily exploit. It goes on to say, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And it's interesting that it talks about, again, the serpent being so went to Eve first. He used this argument first and foremost of saying, number one, it's not going to impact your mortality, because you won't surely die. And he says that, in essence, he's saying it's not poisonous. The only reason why God told you not to eat it wasn't because the fruit is poisonous, but because he doesn't want you to be equal to he is. Equal to what he is. Being able to know the difference between good and evil. 
So she looked, and she saw that it was pleasant. It was pretty. She was glistening. Now, that's not to say that Adam wouldn't have found that uh, the fruit of that tree to be pretty or pleasant to the eyes, but it's interesting that he went to the weaker vessel. And I'm not saying weaker vessel in any way, shape, or form other than how the Bible says that the woman is the weaker vessel. Meaning, it's not the weaker vessel in physical strength. It's not the weaker vessel in spiritual strength. The weaker vessel in the context that God has set in order a, a structure of things. And so what he says, uh, what the scripture says in verse number 6 is that she looks at it, she says it's pleasant to the eyes. It's a tree desire to, to make one wise. And so she takes of it and eats it and gives it to her husband. Subsequently, it says that their eyes were open and they knew that they were naked and they tied leaves around their shame. As aprons, rather. Now I want to talk about spiritual chastity for a second. And this particular example is profound in the context of what uh, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians if you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, starting at verse number 1. It says in the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians, starting at verse number 1, it says, Would, God, would to God he... I just want to make sure everybody's gotten there. 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. You go. Okay. Um, starting at verse number 1, Paul, as he speaks to the church at Corinth, he says, Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. So he's, he's saying, just, just grant me a little bit of brevity here to say what I have to say. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin of Christ. But I fear, by lest any means that the serpent beguiled as a... Uh, let me read that again. But I fear, lest by any means, as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For, he, for if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if, he receive any, or if he receive another spirit, which he have not received, or another gospel, which he have not, which he have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. For I suppose I was not a wit behind the very chiefest apostles. For though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Have I committed an offense and abasing myself that ye might be exalted? Because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely. I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. And what Paul is kind of outlining here is he's saying, I have done a number of different things. I have made sacrifices. I have, in some cases, not stolen from Paul to pay Peter, but borrowed from Paul to pay Peter as the old saying goes. Um, 
in order to make sure that you guys are, are well-founded, well-established in the gospel of God, uh, and so that you can be chaste virgins to Christ. And as, as we look back at what happened with, with Eve in Genesis, the third chapter, you can see what he's trying to say. Is that Eve was married to one husband, Adam, right? And, not, and by extension, she was married to God. But because she was not spiritually chaste, because she gave space for Satan to, with all of his subtleness, to plant in her mind this desire, or this idea rather, that the tree of the knowledge, or the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, was not something that would surely kill her, but make her wise. It gave, it gave space for Satan to tempt her, and that space, or that temptation, led her to ultimately sin and, and, and go against the commandment of God. Um, this is even more clear if you turn your Bibles over to uh, Romans, the fifth chapter. <clears throat> In uh, Romans, the fifth chapter, um, we can uh, take a look at, we can start at verse number 15. Um, it goes, or verse number 14, it says, Nevertheless, again, Romans chapter 5 and verse number 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is a figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is a free gift. For if through the offense of one many are dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which by one man Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. And we can see here the ramifications of a lack of spiritual chastity. Um, Adam and Eve did not gird their loins. They did not hedge themselves um, or protect themselves from a, spiritual, from a spiritual standpoint from the wiles of Satan. And a couple of, um, and you, I'm sure all of us are aware of where I'm going next, with this line of thought, is about putting on that full armor of God. Um, if you have your Bibles, we can go over and take a look at that. <clears throat> um, that's in First uh, Peter, if I'm not mistaken. Give me a quick second to flip over there. That is not the verse I was looking for, but I did find another verse that uh, I wanted to touch on before we get to that. Um, so, as uh, servants of, of servants of God, one of the things that we also need to be mindful of is about putting away or setting aside that sin that do it so easily beset us. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to talk about that again in First Peter. The, um, the second chapter. And one of the verses that really jumps out that really speaks to me as far as being chaste, in verse number one of First Peter chapter two, it says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings, 
As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word of God, that ye may grow thereby. And if so, if so be, if be, yeah, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disavowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Moving on to uh, verse number 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now a people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And again, it goes on to speak even more so. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Who are we? We are, a, we are attached spiritually to God. We are different um, than anybody else on the planet Earth as it pertains to spiritual matters. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. In that context, chastity is all about showing and proving how genuinely uh, committed we are to this commission that we have as a holy nation, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. Um, as, it, as it talks about, <clears throat> again, um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, got a little frog in my throat here. Um, as it pertains to uh, putting on the whole armor of God, Gabriel Bibles, let's turn over to, uh, give me a second, I didn't mark it, but I'll have it here real quick. Ephesians chapter 6, that's what I was looking for. In Ephesians chapter 6, it tells us in verse number 10, and even before it gets to verse number 10, um, I want to highlight uh, one thing that it says, um, um, even in uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, it says that husbands are to love their wives even as Christ had loved the church and gave himself for it. It says in verse number 22 that wives are to submit themselves to their husbands even as unto the Lord. Why is it important that my wife not advertise her physical body out there in public? Why is it that in Proverbs, the 31st chapter, and I know Brother Garner um, was supposed to read, uh, uh, he didn't read verses 10 through 18, um, but there is one verse in Proverbs chapter 31, uh, before we get into this whole armor, um, that, in, and I don't know if you've uh, kind of caught on to this, but in Proverbs the 31st chapter in verse number 18, it says that a virtuous woman perceives that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. And if you, if you look at it in the context of 
what it says about a virtuous woman, about the virtuous woman being chaste, and all the, the various examples of that. One of the things that jumps out is she knows that her merchandise is good, but she's not going to go out at night and advertise. Why wouldn't uh, a chaste woman, why would somebody who is temperate, or a woman who is temperate, a woman who is, um, as it says in Ephesians chapter 5, um, and verse number 22, in subjection to her own husband, knowing that her merchandise, merchandise is good, why would she go out at night and advertise? She doesn't take her candle out and go her candle and goeth out by night, because she knows that that's not chaste, that's not smart. It's not in keeping with what the gospel says about chastity, because by doing so, it may expose her to the temptations of Satan. Something may come along her way. She may find herself in a, in a situation that she can't get herself out of. She may be taken against her will. You know, God doesn't give us common sense um, and expect us not to use it. Um, you know, the old saying is common sense isn't very common. But um, what I'll tell you is, is that there are things that you know you should not be doing. It, why would you dress in a certain way and go into a bar full of men who are drunk? I mean, that's just not chaste, number one, and it's not smart, especially if you are a, especially if you are a chaste bride of God. So in Ephesians chapter 6, in verse number 10, as it talks about, um, you know, putting on the whole armor of God, there's one thing, um, you know, if you remember old movies or even um, maybe accounts of what they used to do in the... Uh, the medieval times, the king would um, either with uh, his daughter, who he was betrothing to another king or another prince, or um, a, uh, another young princess that a, a king was hoping to marry, they, they would put this chastity girl on, on you, know, you know what I'm talking about, it's like a, it's like a, a metallic um, undergarment with a lock, right? And, and only the person that was betrothed, that this woman was betrothed to, would have the key to that lock. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, one of the reasons why they did that is because they wanted that woman to be chaste and pure and to be a virgin. So when it came time to be married to her husband, um, there, that woman would not be tainted. And if you look at what it says about putting on the whole armor of God, um, in verse number 14, it says, uh, it says standing, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And I want to just kind of highlight what it, uh, what it says in verse number 16. Is that by putting on the whole armor of God, I am able to put out or make ineffective the fiery darts of the wicked. Or as, we, as, we, as it said in previous verses, 
right about, uh, you know, the against the walls of the devil. Um, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, against powers, darkness, the rules of this world. When we make ourselves chaste in a spiritual sense, when we put on the whole armor of God, when we act in moderation, when we use self-discipline, what we are doing is when Satan throws these fiery darts at temptation, they are quenched, they are put out. They just hit us and bounce off. And again, part of that is putting ourselves in positions or in environments that are conducive to that. So, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn over to uh, the book of Titus. In Titus, uh, the second chapter, um, Paul is, as he's written this letter to Titus, he's telling Titus, as he's going about talking to these various congregations, he's reminding Titus to remind the young men and the young women about certain things, some common sense things that they should be doing. He starts off in Titus chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That's a good thing. That the aged men be sober, be grave, be temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patience. I mean, uh, temperate is a synonym of chastity. So he's telling the aged men, just as a reason of practicality, it would be good for the aged men, aged men rather, to be sober, to be grave, to not be overcome with silliness, you know, to, to, to be, um, to take things seriously, to be temperate, sound in faith, in charity and patience. And here's another thing, it says, the aged women likewise, that ye be in behavior as becometh holiness. Well, what is a behavior that becometh holiness? Is it walking around, you know, just loosey-goosey, um, you know, not being chaste, um, wearing what you, what you see others wearing? You know, one of the things that annoys Sister Garner is, you know, these, these aged women dressing like their younger women. Is that necessary? It is not necessary at all. But what it does is it exposes that aged woman to the fiery darts of Satan. Okay, so again, it says, Aged women likewise, that ye be in behavior as become holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. You know, it, it is a shame for an aged woman to be walking around drunk. Why? It's not becoming of a woman of that age. And it's not becoming of a woman who is spiritually chaste. It goes on to say that the aged woman should be like that, that they may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, to be chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. The younger men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, 
sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say unto you. All of those things requires us to pull back. All of those things requires us to make sure that we are in a good place. All of those things requires us to bring our bodies under subjection. So if you have your Bibles... <clears throat> Please turn over to First uh, Corinthians, uh, the twelfth chapter. In First uh, Corinthians, uh, the twelfth chapter, <clears throat> and we're actually going to jump around here, but. I want to start off by looking at uh, the 24th verse. And uh, Brother Garner the third, if you can start reading at 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and the 24th verse. For if so many parts have no need, but God hath tempered the bodies together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. For another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in, in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show, I show I you unto a more excellent way. Thank you, my brother. Um, so, you may be thinking, how does this apply to spiritual chastity? Well, the first part here, it says, God has tempered each of us together hath given more abundant honor to the part which lacketh, that there be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. You know, in, in a very real sense, the reason why, or a byproduct of this togetherness, or caring for one another, is chastity. Here's what I mean by that. If Heather loves me, if Sister Garner, rather, uh, loves me and, and we are married together, these two bodies becoming one flesh, she's always thinking about me and my feelings. She never wants me to feel bad. She never wants, to, wants me to feel uh, as if I can't trust her. Um, there is a bond there. She's always looking to the care of Brother Garner more than, than the desires of Sister Garment. So a byproduct of that is chastity. And by extension, we are all members of the same body. We are members of the body of Christ. So it is it behooves me in order to fulfill my love, care, and compassion 
for my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It's important that I do that I bring my body under subjection, lest I be a stumbling block for you. What that means is, is I'm not going to come into worship services wearing hot pants and a muscle shirt, right? Because it may be a stumbling block for you, my sister. You may gaze upon the figure that is Brother Garner and have impure thoughts. The fiery dart of Satan may pierce you through and may lead you to sin. Out of my care and love and compassion for my fellow mankind, even in general, by extension, to the uttermost part, because I love my fellow mankind, I will be chased because I don't want my outward appearance, my outward actions, to be a stumbling block for others. I don't want other people to have impure thoughts about the way I look and the way I dress. And that's how the love of one another produces or uh, uh, chastity is a byproduct of that because I don't ever want to get between you and your relationship with God. Yes. It goes on to say, you know, 27 through the, the, the end of that chapter, and I um, wasn't intended to read that, but it does kind of bring into picture that each of us serves a purpose in the body. So, getting back to what it says in Titus. The young, the older men are to be spiritually chaste in order to teach the younger men to be discreet, to be honorable, to be serious, um, to love their wives. That's the purpose of the older men. The purpose of the older women is to teach the younger women to be chaste, to be discreet, to be keepers of the home, to love their husbands and to care for their children. If I, don't, if I don't exercise moderation, temperance, chastity in my life, what example does that, uh, what example am I leaving for the next generation? If you look back at uh, how we got to this point about dress, and men and women are wearing less clothes. They're revealing more skin. It is okay to go to a public beach and pretty much walk around with your undergarments on. As long as it's swimming. I mean, it's, anyway, I don't, I don't want to go too far into that neck of the woods. But how did we get there? We got there because generation after generation after generation of older, of older men and older women failed in their obligation to be good examples to the younger men and the younger women. Man. Chastity is no longer uh, in vogue. It's taboo. Why is that? Because of a generational failing over the years, it just leads to more and more and more and more freedom. I can do what I want. I can be who I want. I can dress what I want, how I want. Never mind what my husband says because my husband doesn't own me. Or never mind what my wife says because my wife doesn't own me. Except, what does it say in, in, in 1 Corinthians? That the husband hath not power over his own body except for his wife. 
The wife hath not power over her own body, except for her husband. So out of love for one another, I'm going to keep myself constrained. I'm going to exercise chastity because I don't want to be a stumbling block for anyone else. Finally, I, I want to uh, finish off with uh, uh, this, uh, this last verse. Um, in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and we've read this many times before, um, and as it starts off by saying in did I say Ephesians, the fifth chapter? I'm sorry, my apologies. First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. My apologies. First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. Um, we've read this before. In First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, starting at verse number one, Paul starts off by talking about how the um, he's warning them. He's saying that the time and seasons, uh, ye have no need that I write unto you that, that yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. We don't know when he's coming. So, my neighbor across the street, um, I pulled into my parking lot, I got out of the car, and my neighbor was like, hey Thomas, Thomas, did you hear what's going on? I was like, no, what's going on? He said, man, this is the, this is the seventh trumpet. He's talking about the coronavirus. He said, you know, this is the seventh trumpet, and you know, the time is coming. And and I had, I really didn't have a, I, and I, maybe I should, I pray that God will forgive me that I didn't contend for the faith at that exact moment. But my body, I didn't exercise spiritual chastity at that point. I, I allowed my, my fatigue and my impatience to get the best of me. Um, so I was like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me go inside because I'm tired. Anyway, I should have told him, if this were in fact the seventh trumpet, then we're all in trouble. Because the scripture tells us that at the last trump, Jesus will descend in the form of a cloud and call all those who are righteous. The, the dead will rise first, and those that are alive will be with Christ in the clouds forevermore. So I didn't have a heart to tell him. That if this is in fact the last trumpet, we're all in trouble. We all missed the boat, buddy. So it's a foregone conclusion. But I didn't really have the, the patience at the time to discuss with him the finer points of the book of Revelation um, in the context of, of uh, these last times that we live in. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul is telling the church of Thessalonica, you better be ready. You had better be ready because Christ will come as a thief in the night. And those who sleep in the night will fall victim to the thief. But those who are awake, those who are ever vigilant, will be those who are prepared for the coming of Christ. And so by the time we get down to the 12th verse of 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter, he says... We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and over you in the Lord and admonish you. Um, to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. 
Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. And he's going to list a number of things that we should be doing while we're in these quote-unquote, I don't want to say quote-unquote, because that, that, that somewhat uh, um, devalues uh, what the scripture says. So I won't use air quotes. Because in a very real sense, we are in these last times, these times and seasons that Paul spoke of. But one of the things that he tells us is in verse number 21 and 22. In verse 21, he says, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. What does it mean to prove all things? Well, to prove all things is we need to investigate or we need to compare whatever it is that we're doing or whatever it is that we see against the scripture. To prove that it is in fact righteous or to prove that it is in fact unrighteous. Once we have proven all things, it says whatever is good, we need to hold fast to that. Mixed bathing. I don't know where mixed bathing came in, but I get the concept. That regardless of the body of water, or the size of the body of water, regardless of whether you're using soap <laughs> or not, or you're just in that body of water for recreation versus in your tub, washing your body, some in some cases, the apparel is pretty much the same. It's pretty much the same. Now, is that in keeping? Is it, is it appropriate for a young woman who is to be discreet and to be chaste to wear the same garments that she would to, to bathe her body out in the ocean just for recreation? And there's Men of the opposite sex. No, I love my wife. And I've been to the beach. And I've seen young women dressed not appropriately. Or, excuse me, I'm going to use the scripture. They are not dressed, they are undiscretionary? What's the opposite of discreet? Indiscreet, thank you. And I love my wife. But I have this flesh. I have this flesh. And I'm not saying anything other than that. Amen. What I'm saying is that those, those women who are walking around indiscreetly, it's difficult for me. It's challenging. And I know Sister Garner's giving me a look, but here's what I mean by that. Is I don't want to see that. Amen. Because I know by looking at that, Satan will use that as an opportunity to kill me with a fiery dart. Yes. So my I am I'll use I'll use the phrase that um, that describes Lot when he was in Babylon. It wasn't that Lot uh, was uh, he was a righteous man, obviously. He wanted, his, he wanted to raise his family in a way that was keeping with God. He just made a bad choice in choosing Sodom as the place to do that. 
But it says that his soul was what on a daily basis? Vexed on a daily basis. So much so that even at night he had to go outside of the city just to find some relief from what was going on on the inside. Homosexuality. All sorts of fornication or sexual immorality that was going on in, those, in that town. His soul was vexed on a daily basis. So as we prove things and we find those things that are bad, if we are to hold fast to those things that are good, what should we do with the bad things? We've got to get away from them. Stay away from them. I'm just using, you know, the you know the beach um, as an example. Now, is that is is the scripture saying that? Um, am I saying that the scripture saying that a Christian should never go to a public beach? <coughs> That's not what I'm saying. But, but, the scripture is telling us to do what. The scripture is telling us that we are a holy nation, right. a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. We need to show forth our light to those out there in the world. And it says that we are to abstain from all appearance of evil. Is it spiritually chaste? Is it spiritually discreet? Is it spiritually a good idea with the common sense that I have in my own brain? To put myself in a position where I may be pierced through with the, with the fiery darts of Satan. If you remember, I just got through saying that it doesn't make sense for a young woman to go into a men's prison dressed in her undergarments. Why would any woman do that? She knows the likelihood of danger, both physically and spiritually, is great. Yes. So why would you, with the common sense that God has given you, put yourself in a similar situation where your soul may be vexed and you may be tempted to look? Right? I'm, I'm not going to look That's right. with the context of desire in my heart, but I can't help right. it. Oh, I shouldn't have did that. That's Satan. Why, why is it, and we just got through saying, Lot made a poor choice. He chose to go to the beach. You will, because he saw the beach was, it was beautiful, it was cool. Nice breeze, and in this context, he looked over at the, the the plains of Babylon, and it was green and plush. There was plenty of food and water to feed his cattle. And instead of continuing to follow his cousin Abraham, he decided, no, I'm going to take my half, and I'm going to go down here to the plains of, uh, of Sodom and Gomorrah, or to the plains of, I believe it says the plains of Jordan, which Sodom and Gomorrah um, was a part of. He put himself in a position, and it cost him what? It cost him his family. It cost him his wife. Because his wife turned around 
and she turned into a pillar of salt. Because he did not abstain from all appearance of evil, because he didn't keep himself away from that, because he didn't separate himself from that, he instead went towards it and connected himself with it. Turned out to be a bad situation. Spiritual chastity is good for all of us. And it's good for not just the men, but also the women. It's not good, it's not just good for the old, it's also good for the young. It is the thing that we should all exercise ourselves to because we are all brides of Christ. How dare we go out and flaunt our spiritual bodies or present our spiritual bodies in an indiscreet manner to anybody other than, I'm not talking about presenting ourselves indiscreetly to God, but what I mean is, is why would we show all of our goods, our spiritual goods, to somebody else other than the person that we are married to through baptism, which is our Father, the Almighty, our Savior, Jesus Christ. In a practical sense, if I love you the way I say that I love you, I'm not going to be a stumbling block. I don't want to be a stumbling block. So in my interactions with you, I will be as discreet and chaste as I possibly can be because I don't want you to think or act in any other manner than what is godly. In a physical sense, to the young men and to the young women, young women, Certainly, those women who want to be virtuous. You've got attributes that are appealing to the opposite sex. And that's, that's not a bad thing. That's the way that God has designed you to be. To be appealing to the opposite sex. But more specifically, He's designed you to be a helpmeet to only one person in your life. And that's your husband, if you're a young woman, to your wife, if you're a young man. And once those two bodies become one flesh, the scripture commands chastity on the part of the wife and chastity on the part of the husband. Because your body is not your own. Your body is your spouse's. If we hope to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, we have to exercise chastity and discretion. There's a woman called um, Babylon. And this woman called Babylon who signifies all of the, the various indiscretions and desires and wants of the world. This is how, this is the title that she has in her forehead. Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. You can find that in Revelation 17th chapter and verse number 5. 
She is the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. She is the epitome of indiscretion and unchastity. Again, I'm not an English major, so please forgive me for using words that may not exist. But I think you get the point. We don't want to be a part of her camp. We don't want to be a part of the camp of the mother of harlots. And you know what harlots are? They're prostitutes. Their business is indiscretion and a lack of chastity. We aren't like that. We're a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. So if you're here this morning and you have not been exercising moderation and temperance, if you've been a little loosey-goosey with not just your dress, maybe a little loosey-goosey with your talk, maybe a little loosey-goosey with what you read, what you see on television, maybe a little loosey-goosey in your interactions with a co-worker or a member of your family or a friend. And here's what I mean by that. Um, and Heather gets on me all the time uh, about this. As a matter of, and Sister Garner. I should say, and she's told me, stop using me as an example, but I have to say this. I was talking to I was talking to a coworker and I said this phrase. I said, Is there anything else I can do for you? And Heather came around the corner real quick. What did you just say? <laughs> right? And It was funny because she knows me well enough and she knows the context, but the way I said it, um, it, it, it alerted her because she knew I wasn't talking to her, she knew I was talking to somebody else. And the way I said it, I should only be making that phrase in that, in that, with that inflection to only her. She's like, what? <laughs> so I had to apologize. But what it brings into, into, my, into my remembrance in the context of this lesson <coughs> is I would be the same way if she said that to a male co-worker. I actually, I'd probably be a little bit more upset just, just simply because of my mental makeup. I'd be like, no, mm-mm, mm-mm. You don't hug so-and-so. No, no, no. I don't want him to feel your body the way I feel your body when we embrace. Because that's my body. And Heather Garner, Sister Garner's rolling her eyes um, as, as, we're, as this is being recorded. But what I'm trying to allude to is that we need to be aware of being chased in the street. And that chastity and discretion should emanate and permeate every facet of our interactions with others out there in the world so that people will know who we are. And people understand that, yes, in fact, we are peculiar. So peculiar that when Sister Garner gives hugs, she gives these hugs. Yes. Or elbow bumps, or high fives, or handshakes, or a bro hug, or um, she doesn't. Uh, and I'm and I'm I'm just 
speaking out loud here, but and and maybe more in a practical sense. Yes. How we how we use the word love, or how we dress when we leave the house. Um, are we showing things that really should be reserved for our spouse? Amen. In a spiritual context, are we placing ourselves in environments where we're allowing Satan to tempt us to draw us away from our marriage vows to God in baptism? So again, if you're here this morning and you need prayers of strength um, to be spiritually chaste, if that is a fault, uh, or a weakness rather, you can come to God, um, you can stand up, um, and those of us who are righteous will, will pray on your behalf that God will help you in that way. We all know what we did to become Christians. But here, guess what? Nobody is going to listen to you about Christianity or about what thus saith the Lord if you look, dress, and act like they do. Period. If they don't see that you're different in your dress, your speech, and the way that you interact with people, it's just like words in the wind. What? Be a child of God? Repent? Give up earthly ways in order to give up spiritual ways? When you dress like I do when I go to the beach, you listen to the same things that I listen to, you speak the same way that I speak, you, 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 you talk about Young women, and if you're, you know, a young man, or you talk about young men, if you're a young woman, the way that I do, you talk about boyfriend this and kiss that, and how is it that God has impacted your life if there's no visible difference between you and us? Amen. And that's another byproduct, or that's another reason why we should exercise spiritual chastity. Yes. Or chastity in general is it sets us apart in a good way it gives space for us to talk to others about the gospel of Jesus Christ so lesson is yours if you have the urgent need to do so please come forward as we stand and sing a song